Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. great day for me because uh I've actually thought about having you on the podcast a lot Kristen King um and kind of waited for the opportunity like what am I gonna invite her to come on the podcast and talk about (laughs) and then you reached out to me recently and said hey you know I I might have something to add to your conversation and I was like yes happy dance (laughs) (laughs) So today's guest is Kristen King in our little pre-hit record um, conversation. We both acknowledge that like, even though we are seemingly confident, brilliant, amazing women in the world, sometimes we feel pukey. And I am um, exposing Kristen for having a pukey moment right now because we're both like, um, we're recording this just a week and a half post the overturn of Roe. Had we recorded this like three weeks ago, maybe it wouldn't feel like this, but literally every podcast I've recorded since two Fridays ago has been like, okay, let's keep going here. We got this. We got this. Like, what are we going to say today? What are we going to add today? Um, How are we going to talk about this today? In some ways it did feel like a little bit like a rebirth to me of the work because um, it's just different. Like I can't pretend it's not different now. It is, it is. So welcome, Kristen. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for I'm, being even here. Even though I feel pukey, I'm like really excited because this is a super important conversation. And I, you know, to, to what you were just saying, the stakes feel higher today yeah. than they did two weeks ago. And that's why it feels a little like barfing because yeah. like, you know, I know that this single conversation isn't going to like, you know, direct the outcome of abortion decisions in the United States forever and ever. Amen. But it's, it feels really important right now because lives do really hang in the balance. And there are a lot of people who are really fucking scared and like with good reason, I don't blame them. And, you know, I, I, I want us to, to have a really good conversation today. That's going to create some some safety and support and some lightness, even in some of these places that feel really heavy and dark right now. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Welcome. Welcome. Um, would you like to just tell the audience like who you are, what you do? Um, why, (laughs) I was just going to say why I couldn't wait to have you on the podcast. (laughs) Yes. I'd be delighted. Yeah. Um, Just tell everyone who you are and like, and why you decided to be here. Yeah. I mean, you so kind of I'm, agree it, but. Yeah, but there's, I have plenty to say, don't worry. Um, I am Kristen King. I am a life coach for women, non-binary and femme humans who want to give fewer fucks and have way more fucking fun. And I work with people on stripping back all of the shoulds and all of the obligations and expectations that were placed upon them that they never fucking wanted in the first place 
but that have been really driving their lives. So we get rid of perfectionism and people pleasing and overwhelm and anxiety and like the perpetual feeling that we're doing it wrong and the constant question of like, is this it? And we like go answer that question and build a life that they actually love after we burn down all the bullshit. And a huge part of that and what I wanted to, to have a conversation with you about today is releasing shame and self-judgment and no longer buying in to other people's opinions of what you should be doing, what you should do next, what you should have done, because you get to decide that shit. It's not for other people to place it upon you. But for those of us who are socialized as women in Western culture, we've gotten an opposite message for our entire lives. And that leads us to feel shame about things that are simply not shameful. And that's kicking into high gear lately. So we really need to talk about that. Yeah, I think one of the most common things I see in my clients is are those moments when they realize that not only have they been people pleasing their whole life, but like they literally made their decisions in, um, in, I don't know, like in the, in light of people pleasing. Mm -hmm. Um, and it doesn't mean like for some people, that means they made a decision they regret for some people that means that they did not. Um, but People pleasing is a huge piece of this abortion conversation for most of the people listening. Um, and I, I don't know, as you were talking, I wrote the words people pleasing and then I wrote the words releasing shame and self-judgment and kind of saw like this little connection there that I hadn't really seen. Like mm -hmm. how does our shame influence people pleasing? was sort of the question that popped into my mind in a way I hadn't really thought about it, but realized there was like, oh, like two things just connected for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it, shame is a huge component of it. And, and I do want to make a disclaimer about people pleasing now. People pleasing is a very important skill to have. Mm. It can keep you safe. Yeah. It can keep you alive. And for a lot of folks who are having personal experiences of the, the abortion conversation right now, people-pleasing is a big part of that because they may have engaged in a sexual relationship because that was like that they didn't necessarily want because that was the thing that would keep them safe in that moment. And they had to make a judgment call that would allow them to like be able to make judgment calls in the future, right? Sometimes maybe they, um, you know, they had sex when they didn't want to, or they didn't use birth control, even though they wanted to, because their partner was quite insistent and they kind of went along to get along. And that was the best option they had available to them at the time. Maybe they had an abortion because someone else wanted them to, but they didn't want to. Maybe they didn't, even though someone else did want them to. And it, you know, it created a cascade of, of challenges in their life. So knowing how to use people pleasing when mm. you need it is really mm -hmm. important. Like if I'm in an elevator and someone comes in with a gun, I'm going to be whoever that person wants me yeah. to be so I can get off of that elevator, yeah, right? So if I'm being attacked and I can't get away, I'm going to do whatever is necessary to be able to walk away afterward, right? Yeah, so, so we don't want to like fully demonize it, yes. but we want to notice the places where it's coming up that it's not intentional and where it's having us live a life that isn't really our own. Yeah, yeah, right. that's so so important. Thank you for, for pointing that out. 
Um, yeah, like I'm always, I'm always a question person. So I just jotted down the question, like, is this people pleasing in service to my well being? And actually, yeah. um, when I think about my decision, I was just talking to somebody about this yesterday too. Like, it would have been, I always say it would have been easier for me to keep that pregnancy um, that I chose to abort. Mm-hmm. Um, and that to me felt like that would have been the decision of people pleasing in, in my case, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, this will just be easier for everyone except me. Right. My pregnancy. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and that's where like the shame connection is right. Amanda, yes. because so many people make that call because it is easier for everybody or what, which, whichever direction they go with the call, because it's easier for everybody. And the shame component comes in when asserting their own needs and what's better for them feels shameful, feels selfish, feels wrong, feels like something they're not allowed to do. Right. And then afterward, there's all the other people's opinions about what they should have done or why they did what they did or, you know, what else they could have done or whatever. That's also so shame driven. And so we will, we will hide our stories and we will keep secrets and we will eat ourselves alive to avoid other people's shaming reactions that parts of us feel like we actually deserve. Right. And so it's, it's all so integrally tied together and shame is such a huge component of control that is often levied against women because it is very effective because of the way we've been socialized. Yeah. I think another layer to just taking myself as an example is I remember being pregnant and thinking I could do this and I don't want to. Uh And so like, I could Uh carry this pregnancy and I literally just don't want to, like, I don't want to be pregnant again. I don't want to be nursing again. I don't want any of it. Uh Um, and the shame in that like layer of the story was like, what's wrong with me for not wanting to like, am I a good mother? Um, and so had I chosen in my case, had I chosen to keep the pregnancy because of all those voices, I would have been like living into that, all those shame stories. Mm -hmm. And that's why like making the harder decision, um, coming back to that question, like, is this in service to my well-being? Is this people pleasing in service to my well-being? Mm -hmm. It wasn't. It wasn't. And what was in service to my well-being was doing what I wanted, which like socialized as women is a big, big no-no, right? Like what you want is not what's most important, but wait, what if it is? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, like we are really socialized and I, I, I like have been socialized in Western culture. So that's where I, you know, make most of my references. This, this exists in other cultures as well, but I haven't personally experienced them. So I don't want to, you know, like claim knowledge of that, but, but the way that we are socialized in Western culture is that a, we can do anything, but our job is to be mothers and also to have careers, but we have to do both of them really, really well, but also we're not allowed to do either of them particularly well. And 
if, if, you know, we have a career and then we have a child, the child has to take precedence, right? And our responsibility is to like be pleasing specifically to the people in power who by and large are men, right? So our jobs are to like make and raise babies and do it really well and fucking love it and always have like band-aids and a sewing kit and the perfect snacks and the right words and be these like serene Madonnas all the time. And I don't know if you've ever met a child, but like, that's not a real (laughs) realistic expectation for someone who's like raising a child. Like you might have moments of it, but like, goddamn, that shit is hard work. And it is very hard to be a serene Madonna hundred percent of the time. So that's total bullshit. And that like, it's our responsibility to like defer to men. We're supposed to dress in a way that's pleasing to them. There's this, you know, we're supposed to behave in a way that's pleasing to them. If we want sex, we're supposed to give it to them. We're not supposed to ask for things. If we get an orgasm, great. But the most important thing is whether they did, right? There's just like all this like bullshit that's layered on top of us. And then if we're not like delighted by it and don't find this like the most gleeful way for us to live our lives, we're like, oh my God, what's wrong with me? Am I a bad woman? Am I a bad mother? Am I doing my life wrong? Like, when will I ever figure this shit out? Like everyone else. But the thing is, we're all saying that to ourselves and we're only recently starting on a higher level to say it to each other and to find those connections and realize that's not just us. Cause like, we didn't sign up for that shit. That's not actually like the natural order of things. We've just been told that it is for a really long time. And it's so fucking annoying how often I realize, and I, I, I started studying, you know, concepts around women's studies and feminism, um, probably in high school, but certainly like that was my degree in college. And then I moved into birth work and like, so I've been in this for literally decades and I'm still Mm -hmm. like, God damn it. I still believe that story fed to me by the patriarchy. Like, yeah, it's so, it's, it's so annoying. It's so annoying how embedded in us all it is. Um, but every time we wake up to it and see it for what it is, we break it down a little bit more. And I think that is like another piece of the conversation that we can have, um, and that we intended to have in, in planning for this podcast, but I, <laughs> I get like irked sometimes when I hear like self-care and self-forgiveness are like how we break down the patriarchy are ways for us to resist. And mm-hmm. sometimes that like really irks me, but it's so true. Can we talk about that? <laughs> like, yeah yeah let's like talk me about honoring that. what I wanted like in in making my choice to abort right like me honoring what I wanted which was self-care and it was forgiveness self-forgiveness mm-hmm. that was like me like extracting a piece of the patriarchy from my being yeah a hundred percent and like there there's this Audre Lorde quote that I love I like a whole bunch of them <laughs> conversation because like it's so perfect but the but the one that is just like so important right in this second is caring for myself is not self-indulgence it is self-preservation and that is an act of political warfare yeah I, I I mean I have to admit like even when I hear it now I'm like is it though? 
Yeah. So like, Which let's you look know at me it, right? well enough to know, like, you know, is this just still a place that it's so deep in me? I'm like, I don't know. Is that just something they're telling us or is that actually true? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like, let's look at it for a second. And I also want to like to quote Audre Lorde again, revolution is not a one-time event. Like you were saying a second ago, yes. like every time we like wake yes. up to this, like there's this deeper <laughs> understanding of it. Like revolution is, is, an, is an ongoing practice and refusing to participate in your own oppression is a radical act. It is a radical act of resistance. Yeah. And every yeah. little decision that you make and every big decision that you make where you refuse to participate in your own oppression is chipping away at that system. Mm. And it sometimes it's it's mm. bigger chips than others. Sometimes our our resistance, sometimes our revolution, sometimes our self-preservation is something that happens on the inside because it's not available to us to do it on the outside. Maybe, maybe I, I don't have an option of whether I'm keeping this pregnancy or not, but I can still decide within myself who I am and what I'm going to let this mean about me. Right. So it's not available to everyone to, to refuse to participate in overt ways and to be able to do that is absolutely something that's available to people in a position of privilege, right? Because it's just not available to everyone but you can still revolt inside of yourself. You can still resist inside of yourself, even if you can't in your external circumstances. And when you refuse to be a prisoner to the system, either outwardly or at least in your own mind, it weakens the system and it creates more support and more space for other people to step into to also do that, right? Yeah. And- it, it may not always be available in the same way for every person, but it's always available in some way and you get to decide and even acknowledging that you get to decide what you're going to make this mean about you and what you're going to make this mean about your life and how you're going to be in this circumstance. Even just acknowledging that that exists is a way that we weaken the system of oppression because then we're making a choice. Mm. What do you think about that? Well, I'm just noticing them, some things, you know, I'm making this all about me. So, <laughs> but like, we need more I, of that shit. No, right? like I'm having some moments warfare. over here. <laughs> like I'm just realizing, um, I'm realizing how strongly I believe and how much my work centers around like healing being a radical act of resistance Mm -hmm. like I believe that in every cell of my body like everything in me is like you had an abortion let's do the healing work and you will change the world like everything in me but what I'm noticing (laughs) as we talk or as I listen to you is like I don't feel as powerful and strong and confident in preventing the thing that needs the healing in the first place. Like, um, like it's almost like I keep letting my, 
like literally just in it right now. Like I keep letting myself get punched in the face so that I can heal. Mm. versus stopping getting punched in the face in the first place mm-hmm. and not needing the same degree of healing. So it's almost like we as women in this reproductive rights, justice, freedom conversation, like, yes, we can resist and break down all this bullshit inside of us by healing, but like, I don't know that I'm yet having the conversation as deeply around like, let's just stop getting hurt in the first place. Like, let's just stand. My confidence is weaker in like Mm -hmm. standing up and being like, fuck you, I'm getting an abortion Mm -hmm. than it is in like, fuck you, I'm going to heal from my abortion. (laughs) Am I making any sense? (laughs) Yeah, well, I think you are. And, And both of those conversations are really important. Because yeah. it, it, there, there are some people who have the, the privilege of not getting hurt in the first place, but not everyone has that, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and we need both of those conversations to occur because for people who do have that privilege, they may not realize that they have a choice, even if they actually have the ability to exercise it, if they decided to, right? So like, that's one part of it. And like having those conversations about shame and people pleasing and expectations is really important for that end of the spectrum. And then there are people who, who made whatever decision that they made for whatever reason, and it, it caused a wound of some sort. It's, it's a wound of loss. It's a wound of regret. It's a wound of shame. It's a wound that was um, inflicted by other people based on their reaction to it. And, and both sides of that really, really matter. And, and neither one of them is more important than the other. And no, I love no. um, what what Brene Brown says about this. Like what we don't need in the midst of struggle is shame for being human. Yeah. And all of this is like part of the human experience, Yeah. right? Is that like, we do what we do. We don't do what we don't do. And then we tell ourselves whatever stories we choose to tell ourselves about it. And like that shit is hard and it happens all the time. And whether it's happening on the front end or the back end, there's still healing to be done and there's still space for self-compassion and self-forgiveness and self-love and vulnerability. There's space for it across the board. And it doesn't, it doesn't really matter when it happens. It just matters that it can happen. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We talked about this on a, actually it was this week's podcast, the week that we're recording. And um, this woman shared an absolutely gorgeous, and yes, I'm putting those words together, abortion story. Mm -hmm. And it was her like really spiritual um, moving through her abortion. Um, And I listened and listened and listened and just like was in such awe of how she moved through her experience. And I knew my audience well enough to know that a lot of them are thinking, well, fuck, I wish I did it that way. Like, Mm -hmm. I wish mine had been like that. Um, And so we talked about like, there's no, there's no time that you can't go back and heal, right? Like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. even if you didn't stand up, um, and take care of yourself the way that you could have in a moment along your journey 
doesn't mean you can't go back and, and redo, I'm air quoting, those moments. And like, it's always possible to go in and take care of you and sort of rewrite the story. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of people listening right now are probably feeling a similar thing is like, um, there are places I can see in my story that I wish I'd stood stronger. Like I hesitate to use the word, but like stood up for myself more, had my own back more. And like, we can Mm -hmm. always go back and do that. There's no too late for having your own back. Yeah, Yeah. totally. And Gloria Steinem talked about this. Um, I can't remember which book it was. Uh, It made it something, something about self-esteem. But she's, she said, it's not just the long ago child within us who needs tenderness and inclusion, but the person we were last year wanted to be yesterday, tried to become in one job, in one winter, in one love affair or one house where even now, this is so beautiful, where even now we can close our eyes and smell the rooms. What brings together these ever shifting selves of infinite reactions and returnings is this, there is always one true inner voice, trust it. <laughs> Isn't that like, so I have like much. chills all over my yeah. body. So I was on a call with, actually it was a final call of my 12 week program with a client yesterday. and. Um, she really like is someone who resonates with like the 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 like vision the um mycelium right like do you know, do you know mycelium like underneath the forest floor is this web of like genius like nature's genius right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it looks like brain firings it looks like computer programming it's just like this amazing layer of communication that keeps the forest together um and so we were um we were kind of closing our call and um i think we as humans have this tendency and desire to compartmentalize all the pieces of our our lives right like there Mm -hmm. was the traumatized childhood me there was the me who made the abortion decision there was the me who stood up and resisted and like all those me's and I'm looking at your like painting in the back of birch trees (laughs) I think it's Mm -hmm. birch trees they're they're aspens actually yes (laughs) yeah like all those me's are standing in this forest, but like what connects them is what's underneath and just this massive web of communication. And like, they're all together, like they're all an ecosystem. And so going back and making those connections between the me who, you know, had one abortion one way and another abortion another way, and like decided to have the kid another way, like that's where the healing is, is when you like bring all those pieces of you together, because what's true is like underneath it's all connected. Like you are not a broken human and just like acknowledging that, um, that pulling all those pieces together is, is the healing work. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And, and I love that you noticed the painting back here because there's (laughs) something a lot of people don't know about aspen trees is that they're all like, every time you see like a group of aspen trees, it's called a stand of aspens. It's all one organism. Like they are all literally connected to each other. Like that's how (laughs) aspens work. 
And there is also, I'm going to very inelegantly summarize this. There is research in plants that uh, you'll have to Google because I cannot give you specific citations here, but they, they have done stuff where they were like monitoring plants on one side of the room while they were like applying electrical pulses to different plants on the other side of the room. And the plants that were not receiving the pulse were having a reaction to the experience of the plants that were receiving. Wait, wait, wait. Do you mean like a room, like a house room where they're not even connected by soil? Correct. They're like in different pots. (laughs) And like what you were just saying about the forest and this like network that connects everything, it totally applies to us as individuals, right? Because like we can, each of us contains multitudes. I am so many people. And like, I'm also a different person in the mind of every single person who's ever known me. Right. And they all know like one little piece of me and then made up another story about it. But like, I, I am like that ecosystem in and of myself, but then each of us is connected in this larger ecosystem. And if a piece of grass on one side of the room can feel the Mm. pain or not pain of another piece of grass on the other side of the room, Mm. what impact does each of us going ahead and standing up against oppression and suffering have on the rest of the ecosystem that we're networked to? Mm. We can share each other's experiences of pain and suffering, but we can also share each other's experiences of standing up and doing something about it and resisting oppression. And that's why every single time we do that, it creates a little chink in that oppressive system. And it makes the difference for everyone who's part of that ecosystem. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. And, um, and we, and this is, this feels like a conversation of privilege too, is like, we don't all have the privilege to do this work. We don't have Mm -mm. the time. We don't have the money. We don't have the space, whatever it is. We don't have the safety based on where we live. And mm-hmm. so this is never a call for everyone to do the work because guess what? Not everyone can. And that's just reality. Mm-mm. But those of us who can and are resisting digging in because it feels scary, but we do have that some amount of space, some amount of resources to do the work. Like we are doing it for everyone. We're doing yeah. it for everyone. And so there's such an opportunity for those of us with any amount of privilege to heal this massive network of all of it. (laughs) Yeah. And and that's the thing is like, we, I, I, the way that I experience it, which I am not suggesting is how anyone else should experience it. It's just how I experience it is that I, I am a well-educated white woman who makes enough money to live on without fear that I won't be able to eat or that I won't have a place to live. And that is a unique situation in the larger context of the world. And my personal opinion of that for me is that because I have that privilege, I also have a moral and ethical obligation to do everything I can to make space for people who do not have that privilege, to use my voice to amplify theirs, to do what I can to put myself between them and whatever is dangerous for them, any opportunity I have, because I'm going to be much safer in that scenario than they are. 
that's not available to everyone. It may not even be available to me in every situation, but in every situation that it is, I feel obligated to do that. And I am willing to fulfill that obligation in honor of all of the people who did it before me and in, in respect and love for all of the people who are here right now who can't. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And like, I, I'm going to bring Audre Lorde back into the conversation. She said something really beautiful about this. I write for those women who do not speak for those who do not have a voice because they were so terrified because we are taught to respect fear more than ourselves. We've been taught that silence would save us, but it won't. Yeah. And oh, she also I said, <laughs> I know I keep like every, like I, I've been like obsessed yeah. with her recently because it's so yeah. important. And like, if you're not like actively reading her, please go do. <laughs> mm-hmm. She also said, when I dare to be powerful, to use my strength and the service of my vision, then it becomes less and less important, whether I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause like, I'm scared all the fucking time, man. Mm-hmm. But I can do something about it and other people can't and that's fucking worth it. Yeah. And one day I won't be able to, but someone else will. And I'll be so grateful to them for doing it when I can't. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Well, <laughs> I don't even know what we talked about. Um, I guess I'll find out when I listen back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what haven't we talked about that you came on imagining you would say, or you now feel called to say based on whatever the hell we just talked about? Let me think for a second. I think the most important thing is to, uh, so there's like a couple pieces. They're like all interrelated here, kind of like the forest system, right? The most important thing is that A, shame is a normal human reaction and B it is you get to decide how long you live there Mm -hmm. and it is okay to have a lot of emotions about the the decisions that you've made in your life whether they were made freely or under coercion it's okay to feel both deep regret and immense relief Mm -hmm. it's okay to feel a deep sense of longing and a sense of of disconnectedness or indifference. It's okay for all of these things to coexist. And it doesn't mean anything about you other than that you are a human being. And like Audre Lorde said, there's no single issue struggle because we don't live single issue lives, right? Like you, you don't have to just feel one way you don't have to limit your experience to this one moment. You get to see how it applies to the entire story of your life up until this moment and how you're going to apply it to the story of your life moving forward. And you are not required to accept other people's opinions or other people's piling of shame upon you. Mm-hmm. And in fact, letting them keep that rather than taking it on for yourself is one of the most powerful things that you can do. And even if you can't do it fully in this moment, even if you can take it on 1% less than you were five minutes ago, that matters and it makes a difference because you decide who you are. You decide what your life means. You decide what your choices are and what they were and what they meant and why you made them. Other people don't get to decide that for you. And whether you tell them that or not, you get to know it inside of yourself 
and you get to have compassion for all of those parts of you at every stage. You are allowed to have it and you deserve it. And taking that on is how you give a big fuck you to anyone who thinks that you should be small and quiet and do your duty. You don't have to live like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think an interesting thing about shame in the abortion conversation is like, I've never had shame for choosing abortion um, in my story, but I had shame that I got pregnant. Like what's wrong with my body that it got pregnant and I didn't want it to like, somehow I was supposed Mm -hmm. to have this super control of my body to do what I wanted. Mm -hmm. Um, I had shame there. I had shame for not having shame. Mm -hmm. It's like (laughs) these feelings get presented to us in so many ways. And every time we work through them and give them back and Mm -hmm. say, no, thank you. I'm not holding that. Um, we expand and become bigger versions of ourselves, but like working through feelings doesn't mean we're done with them. They just keep coming back and it means we get to release them quicker every single time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I heard somebody say last night, um, I I was on a call with our mutual friend, Simone Soul, uh, who teaches marketing to life coaches. Um, and I love that you just called her our mutual friend. I'm going to hold that moment for a second. Do it. Yeah. (laughs) Keep going. Our mutual bestie who thinks we're both geniuses. I love it. Um, we were talking, uh, someone was having a conversation with her about like going backwards, like going back to a place they've been before that they don't. And what she offered that person is that there, there can be a purpose for anywhere that we go. And sometimes the purpose is that we're being called to a deeper sense of awareness or a deeper awakening related to that thing. And, and when we go back to those moments, when we revisit those emotions, when we revisit those experiences and re-experience parts of them, that's an opportunity and an invitation for us to know ourselves better and to love all of the parts of us more fully and more honestly. And it's okay if we don't accept the invitation every time it's offered to us, but it's available if and when we want it. And going back to that place doesn't mean that we fucked up. It doesn't mean we're backsliding. It doesn't mean we're not really healed. It just means that there's more there for us that we can get if we want it. And that's actually a really beautiful thing. And holding space for that is another middle finger to this meritocracy patriarchy that says like we have to always be you know performing at the top level and moving forward and doing things a certain way you get to iterate yourself and evolve yourself as many times as you want you never have to be just one thing and you don't have to be who you've always been and you get to decide yeah. you're the only person you're destined to become is the person you decide to be and that can look it's actually one of my favorite things about abortion is I think it is so raw it's just like mm-hmm. I mean I've had a lot of experiences as a human I've I've not had a lot of experience as a human but of the experiences I've had abortion was the most raw and primal mm-hmm. and vulnerable I've ever felt and because of that what what I think I hear you saying is like 
it's like not only possible for me to uh oh dog streaming (laughs) (laughs) um it's not only possible for me to like transform it into a tool but like it's a gift that I get to revisit it over and over and over and over again and like learn something new about myself over and over and over again and expand and expand and expand because I have like the depth of that experience Mm -hmm. to lean into like it's it's kind of wild and I think a lot of people um actually, particularly right now after this um, ruling about Roe, have come to me saying like, I thought I was okay, but this is really triggering. Like, I, I thought this, I did that work and now it's back again. I'm like, yeah, it is back again. And that's okay. It's just asking if you choose to accept the invitation, it's mm-hmm. asking you to expand wider and deeper and more powerfully in the world. Mm-hmm. And like, we can't take our abortions back. So let's use them if we can, like use them over and over and over again to grow. And it's not an obligation, but it is an opportunity if we choose to accept it. Like it's, yeah, yeah, that's deeply powerful stuff. Yeah. And, and it's not something that we have to be afraid of because what what's happened can't do anything to us, right? It's real that it happened, but in this moment, it's a ghost. It's a memory. It's not, it's not a thing that can do anything to us right now. And it's safe to develop a relationship with that. Mm-hmm. Like it's well, okay yeah. to, you don't, how do I want to say this? It's okay to always be healing. You don't have to be healed. Yeah. You can always <laughs> be healing. And that's not a problem. That's, that's like a feature. That's not a flaw. That's not a bug in the system. Yeah. That you can constantly be growing and deepening your love for yourself and moving through things that are still stored in your body and these mm-hmm. memories and these like phantom limbs of past experiences. That's a really beautiful thing. Imagine if we couldn't do that. That would fucking suck, man. I like I, still I love a long those words. <laughs> like I wrote down from when you said it's safe to, I was like, just that idea that it's safe to develop a relationship with your abortions, like, mm-hmm. oof, like that's, that's beautiful. Beautifully said. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, okay. Like, obviously we could talk about this for 48 more hours, but we're not going to, um, <laughs> if there's anything you haven't said, go ahead and say it. And, uh, otherwise like, um, I highly recommend everyone to follow Kristen. I will obviously be sharing all the links, but where can people find you? Um, the place that I am most active is on Facebook on my personal profile. You can find mm-hmm. me there as Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N, Scove, <laughs> S-K-O-V-E, King. And I am also Kristen Scove King on Instagram. And I'll give you the links, Amanda, because people consistently misspell my name (laughs) and they get frustrated when they can't find me so I know how to find you remember we're best amazing if you I mean I feel like had you not reached out to me to have this conversation 
at some point I would have said, Kristen, come on my podcast so my listeners can know how to give fewer fucks um, about their abortion stories, about abortion in general, um, about like the bullshit that's thrown in our faces by the media. Um, so yeah, go follow Kristen to give fewer fucks. Okay. Can I add one more thing? Yeah, because you just go. made me think of something. Okay. <laughs> so when we don't give a fuck, it doesn't mean that we don't care. Yes. Right? Like you still get like you get to reclaim your fucks from the yes. bullshit that doesn't matter and use them for the shit you actually care about. Mm-hmm. So when when we're talking about giving fewer fucks about your abortion, I mean giving fewer fucks about other people's opinions about it, about how you think you were supposed to feel about it about all of the the bullshit lies and expectations that were placed upon you that you never fucking signed up for. It's mm-hmm. taking your energy back from all of that and putting it into the things that you actually want to care about. Yeah. Whether that's your healing or other people's healing or or just being totally fine with it and never thinking about it again. Like I, I don't care what that is. I care that you get to pick and you yeah. can get all your fucks back from that other stuff. So you are free to choose and to use your energy on yourself, not on other people's bullshit. Yeah. I love it. Me too. Thank you so much for having me. Um, (laughs) See you around. Maybe I'll have you back someday. (laughs) I love it. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.